from the vault. High atop the pastoral center of the Diocese of Camden, you're listening to Talking Catholic. Welcome everybody to Talking Catholic. Thanks so much for joining in. I'm Pete Sanchez, Mike Walsh. Mike, how's it going? Uh, it's going well. It's going. Uh, it's a nice day. It's a, we, had, we, had a, we had a lovely snowfall yesterday, and I, 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 I actually woke up this morning, and I looked out the window, and I was like, oh, that's right, it snowed. It was so beautiful. It was a nice, beautiful, crisp, snowy December morning. I liked it. Yeah. Well, yesterday, it was beautiful. I was driving home, uh, and I was along the Cooper River. Beautiful. I don't know if you noticed the sun, the sunset yesterday. Mm, the yeah. beautiful, I mean, golden sky. Yeah. And... My Instagram was uh, filled with it. It was, it was nice because I didn't see it, so it was because uh, I came. Oh. I had to leave late, and uh, so the sky, this dusk had already happened by the time I got out of the building. But uh, yeah, I'm glad. I'm this, this is a reason why I like social media. It lets me know what I missed. Yeah, did you see the photo? I put up a photo with the the river and the golden sky and the snow on the ground. Oh, I'll have to check and, it out. I didn't see it. No. Yeah, it was. Uh, just one of those wintry days where it was it was cold but also warm, you know that sun, the 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 golden sky kind of, you know the light shining through the darkness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it just mm-hmm. it kind of hit me. And today, of course, is December sixth, the feast of Saint Nicholas. And for anyone who hasn't uh, listened to it yet, there's the uh, Talking Saints episode is was posted this morning for uh, yeah. Saint Nicholas, yeah. a, a short one too, only twelve minutes. So uh, I know, you know somebody, you know, I apologize. Somebody already, uh, our favorite, <laughs> one critique, of our favorite listeners, our criticizer. <laughs> we love you, Tom O'Shea. Uh, no, he uh, he wanted it to be a bit longer because I also like to call this day Punch a Heretic Day. Because that's what St. Nicholas did. He punched uh, Arius. You know, I, I was I was looking through, since no one provided for me a picture of St. Nicholas, I was going through all the St. Nicholas photos last night that I could find that were available for uh, open use on the internet. And uh, I, I was looking at it, and a number of them were St. Nicholas slapping somebody. And I, and I, di- I had to actually look it up because I, I did not know that that was something that he was known for. And uh, I was like, oh, that's fascinating. And uh, yeah, but that, and that was the other thing. You know, I, I wasn't in the room while you, when you recorded that with Lori. And then I was going to upload it, and I realized, geez, this thing's only 12 minutes long. <laughs> like, wow, well, uh, these guys yeah. were must have been in a rush that day. Well, uh, well, you you know, and Lori are not known for uh, uh, not being loquacious. Well, you know what happened is uh, it was a little course correction because I think we tried to do them around 15 minutes. A couple of the first ones we did went about 20, 25. So now we've swung the pendulum the other way. So we'll get back to So this. your average is 15. There you go. Yeah. Well, right. we're trying. I'm sorry for all the listeners with St. Nicholas. Uh, he is, as I get to know him, he's just more amazing. In his charitable works, and so listen to it. Uh, December sixth, let us pray that to Saint Nicholas. Yeah. Just don't cough because you might miss something important because it's so short. But um, the uh... yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the um... so what news do we have coming up? Well, we got come to think up? of it, we've had more news items that have got stretched longer than that podcast. I just realized that. <laughs> well, <laughs> Man, do I feel bad? Maybe I have to apologize be... to the Talking Saints listeners. I do too, and I apologize to Lori Power, my wonderful co-host. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. She she was running the show. I blame Lori on this one. I'm, I'm going I'm to absolve you. She she was the one that uh, she's. You are the co-host on. Uh, That's on right. I Talking am Saints. Co- <laughs> so we're, we're going to blame Lori. I'm the Ed McMahon to her Johnny Carson. Though, That's right. right. Um, but no, I mean, it's, uh, maybe that's a cardinal rule from now on. 
thou shalt not have the news items longer than the talking saints. <laughs> but we'll see what we can do. That should be the golden rule in this vault. But go. we got the priesthood discernment group, Mike, coming up December 9th, this uh, Sunday, at uh, Our Lady Peace Parish in Williamstown, 32 Carroll Avenue. And... And, and if you go two, to the if you go to the noon mass that day, you can watch my goddaughter and her choir sing at the at the noon mass. And my goddaughter oh. has a solo, so she'll uh, feel free to check her out. Olivia Hench, she's wonderful. She's delightful. Okay, this Christmas concert? No, no, it's, it's part of the mass, but they're they're doing the choir for the mass. Oh, so it's, it's oh, at the cool. noon mass. So yeah, check it out. Oh, go to that, and then mm-hmm. well, young men, if you're currently a junior or senior in high school, college student, or up to thirty nine years old. And you're feeling the possible call to the priesthood. Come out. This group can help you discern and pray with others who are also considering the priesthood, a life of service. Wait a second. I just found something. Sorry to interrupt again. She's not doing it this Sunday. She's doing it the following Sunday on the 16th. I, oh. I wouldn't want anyone to go to the noon mass and then be upset that my goddaughter's not singing. So I, I apologize. I'm, I'm, I I'm very much apologize to the... Uh, to the seminarians and Father Romano for breaking into their ad twice. So my Hold off on those angry messages. Yes. Right. Yes. But the um, well, come out, come on out this Sunday and also the next Sunday on the sixteenth, uh, to Our Lady Peace Parish, through to Carroll Avenue, Williamstown, and the discernment group. It, it happens every month. This one is December 9th, uh, from two to three thirty. And for more info, go to camdenpriest.org. Uh, the org that's the Office of Vocations website. And Mike, speaking of Christmas and, and get at, well now it's Advent, but we're getting ready for the season. December twenty first, Friday, there will be Christmas caroling. For uh, if you're in your late teens, twenties, and thirties, the Office of uh, Youth and Young Adult Ministry will have an evening of Christmas Christmas caroling. Uh, we're going to share the joy of the season along Haddon Avenue and Collinswood. All those people on all those wonderful shops in that area. With the lights, uh, that's going to happen. You're going to people are going to gather at St. Teresa of Calcutta's McLaughlin Hall, 101 Lee's Avenue, at 6 p.m. And after Caroline, you'll return for to the hall for Christmas cookies, hot chocolate, and uh, conversation. So that should be a good time, Mike. Are you going to try to make that? I would love to make it. I, I like anything that involves caroling, cookies, and good times. So done and done. Yeah, it should be a wonderful night. Uh, so come on out. Call Greg Coogan at 856-583-2908 or email him at gregory.coogan at camdendiocese.org. Then Mike at Holy Eucharist Parish in Cherry Hill. We're already talking about stuff now. In 2019, we got the Discovering Christ is happening every Thursday evening from January 3rd to February 14th. From 6.45 to 9.15 p.m., there's going to be... Uh, seven session series where there's going to be dinner uh listen to a dynamic uh speaker and explore answers to some of the most important questions about god and finding our ultimate purpose of life and discovering christ and what he what he calls us to do and this is going to be again at holy eucharist parish 344 crescent road in cherry hill and dinner and the program is no cost uh, however, the seating is limited to the first 100 participants. And parents, if you have uh, little children or, or child care will be provided for children ages three or older. 
So no reason not to come on out. Again, every Thursday evening from January 3rd to February 14th, 6.45 to 9.15 p.m., Holy Eucharist Parish in Cherry Hill. For more information, call Evelyn Catino at the parish office, 856-429-1330, or register online at christlife2019.eventbrite.com. And, Mike, we got a great event. You know, how can I fail to mention our Talking Catholic? I don't know. You failed to mention another news item we talked about before the podcast, but we'll get back to that one at the end. Well, no, I'm... Yeah. Oh, are you saving that for the end? I am. I'm saving that Liar. for the end. I wanted to talk he's about Talking Catholic. Fibbing. Thanks he's, for keeping me honest, no, though. No, he's fibbing. That's, he's, come um, on. What's what's coming up next uh, on the 14th? Well, the 14th is our 100th episode. Yeah, Very excited. Right. We I were... We were getting ready. We were at the Collegium Center for Faith and Culture yesterday. Scoping the joint. It looks awesome. Already pre-decorated for Christmas. It's uh, It looks gorgeous. Uh, Brenda Quinn uh, did, does a great job there, and we're looking forward to hosting it. And uh, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good time. Assuming yeah. we figure any of the logistical elements out that uh, we have to do before in the next week, like who's bringing the food, who's bringing the drinks, yeah, how we setting everything up. I put out, I sent out another round of emailed invitations, and uh, we we've been posting uh, updates of who our guests are going to be on social media, letting people know. So uh, we did get two more additions to uh, people signing up for the uh, event today, which was nice. But so who who have we announced so far? Well, we announced Allison Filio. That was our latest announcement. She's a delight. She's been on the show before. Mm-hmm. She's coming to us from Stockton. She has so much energy, and I hope she brings her whole family. I hope her husband and her son come, mm-hmm. too. Just a beautiful family, beautiful witness to the faith. She's coming out. Uh, we have the CFR sisters, the Franciscan Sisters of the Renewal, Father Robert Sinatra, very mm-hmm. excited, and just to be uh just it's going to be a great time i'm very very excited me too me and too. so you can register on you can go to the org. this is again friday december 14th the collegium center for faith and culture in haddon heights new jersey 301 white horse pike and it starts at 7 p.m so come on on and celebrate with us it's yeah. going to be a party yeah no no cost to attend mm-hmm. so just just a lot of fun yeah yeah, yeah. So and and also Mike, we got the Panama in the capital. Panama being where World Youth Day is this year. The capital being, if you're not able to go to Panama, come on out to go to Washington D.C. on January 26th. There's going to be live music, bilingual talks with bishops and national speakers, uh, Panamanian music and culture, adoration and confession, and fellowship with thousands of college students and young adults there will also be men's and women's religious communities present it is $20 per person and you can call Greg Coogan for more info again this is January 26th there'll be a bus leaving from uh, leaving from the Diocese of Camden not sure where that's going to be just yet it's a one day Catholic festival for college students young adults celebrating World Youth Day the uh, this is going to take place in Washington D.C. I hope to be there. Yeah, that's that. That should be nice because the only downside to the World Youth Day this year is you know, usually it takes place in the summertime, but they've gone uh, to uh, the center of the Earth on this one, um, just to shy of the equator. And um, so it's it's they were able to do it in the, in the winter, but for those of us in the northern hemisphere, that's a bit of a pain in the neck since we're. Uh, 
you know, um, most of us are in school or just at that time period going to be coming back to winter break will be ending as opposed to when these things take place during the summertime and so many people can can go to it so since uh since we know it's going to be difficult for a lot of people to make it to panama this year uh, they did want to do something in the united states to uh it would be akin to it so who doesn't love going to dc in mid-january i know it's mm-hmm. one of my favorite th- it really is actually i i say i'm not saying that facetiously it really is one of my favorite things uh dc is beautiful in the winter as and opposed I- to the incredibly humid august and I do think, you know, speaking of D.C. in uh, January, I do not know the date, but the March for Life is coming up around one of those days, too. Yeah. It's always at the end of January. Mm-hmm. Actually, I, th- I feel like it's the weekend. I feel like it's right around that time period, actually. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they, they were coexisting for, for that. So maybe it's, yeah, it, it could be, I mean, may, maybe it'd be a possibility to. It's January 18th is the March for Life in D.C. So yeah, January, okay, the week so, yeah. uh, the week later. So make it a long make it a long weekend. Go down for the March of Life on Friday, and then on the twenty first. It's the twenty first, right? Oh wait, the twenty eighth. Oh, okay, so it's a week later. I take it. No, back. the twenty sixth. Twenty sixth. My bad. So but, uh, come on out and call Greg Coogan eight five six five eight three two nine zero eight. In which case, go to DC twice in in January. Yeah. In our area, the, it's, there's no reason not to. It's a two hour drive. You can fun. get the space ice cream, the frozen ice cream at the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum. That's right. That is what I go for. When mm-hmm. I'm at the Air and Space Museum, I always make sure to go to that gift shop. I'm going to let you know a secret, though. What? It's also at the Franklin Institute in Philadelphia. Oh, so just... now, now, now it's local. You get yourself some freeze-dried ice cream. It's the best. Oh, man. Okay. Now I'm tempted to just take the, uh, take the Paco. Over. So there you go, just for the ice cream. Yeah. Your, your three dollar uh, slab of of uh, Neapolitan ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's hey, that was the classic. I know it really. Oh, well, Mike. So who do we got in the vault with us today? I'm just out of curiosity. Did you remember to do the last news item that you said you were going to do at the end? That was the last. I thought that last. No, the last one was going to be the sisters. Yes. Oh, sisters, if you're listening to this podcast right now, you know that Pete Sanchez forgot all about you. I reminded him twice. Great. I bet you the CFRs aren't even going to come to our our 100th podcast now. Sister Agnes, Sister Ann Cattery, Sister Kiara, and Sister Joseph, I apologize. To the four of you, uh, I will be at this event this Saturday, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. at St. Michael's Church in uh, Atlantic City. It's a Advent Day Reflection. Come on out. It's from 10, yeah, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. There's going to be a, spe- a speaker, a Franciscan friar of the Renewal. There will be mass, confession, uh, adoration, lunch, and it's just going to be a nice time. 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Just come down to Atl- beautiful Atlantic City. You mm-hmm. and I were there last week, and we saw the CFRs. And, yeah. I, and beautiful St. Michael's Church. Yeah, beautiful St. Michael's Church. I think it's 10 North Mississippi Avenue. And... Yeah, Ten a.m. to three p.m. Yeah, yeah, we've we've promoted it a lot, and uh, and uh, just out of curiosity, Pete. Now that we've finished with the news items, do you, do you know how long the news items were this week? About twenty minutes. No, no, no. It was short. It was fifteen minutes. Only three minutes longer than Talking Saints episode. This okay. Week. Well, I, <laughs> I really wish I, I really wish I had Lori Powers' uh, cell phone number because I would be texting her right now. The um the but more importantly, I, we have for fifteen minutes. Our guest has been. Very patiently waiting. So, Pete, who's with us today? Well, we have Abby Walsh. She is Director of Music Ministry at, at uh, St. Joe Parish in Belmar. Welcome. 
Thank you. And if, if you've been to uh, any of the um, many of the diocesan events, you will recognize her as the the cantor often at uh, yeah. at our events. And uh, one who, whom I've taken photographs of many times, I always make a point to take pictures of the cantors when. Uh, so I always feel you guys get short shrift when we do these mass uh, events, and we take pictures of the bishop, maybe some of the readers. I'm like, nah, the cantor's got to get their photograph taken as well. We appreciate it. Right cantors right. matter. That's right. <laughs> cantors are people. people too. So, yeah. So, thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. No, this is a blast. So, uh, you know, we wanted to talk to you about your, your ministry as, as as a musician, but um, even more importantly, uh, this is an episode taking place, you know, the second week of December, and, and quite frankly, we, we want to have a conversation about Christmas music, and not necessarily pop Christmas music, though we can talk about that too, but, but Christmas music that I, I'm afraid that sometimes we kind of... Um, a gloss over as we're sitting in mass and so focused on our spirituality that the music is sort of behind us, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. thing. I think that is a good thing. It's, it's the thing that surrounds you and sort of brings you up. Gentle reminder. Yes. Sometimes the immersion and sometimes depending on the choir, not so gentle. Sometimes they are very in your face with the reminder, (laughs) but, uh, but no, it's, it's good. I, I, there's, there's no such thing as, you know, there may not be the best music, but there's no such thing as bad music. As long as somebody's singing along, it's, it's good. Although I find that I fall into a trap that um, that maybe a lot of Catholics do of being so enamored by who's singing that I do not sing along at ah, mass, and I, we're not doing our job. I, well, I know, and I feel terrible about that. It's not you; <laughs> it's me. I, I I feel terrible. I mean, but even though you know, you being uh, you know this this being your ministry. Um, do you like it when people sing along with you? Oh my goodness, that's the whole reason we do it. Really? Have you heard us? Because sometimes we're not so yeah. great. Yeah, okay, all right. So <laughs> I will say too, I'm also a, a private voice teacher. So I'm under the full believing if you can speak, you can sing. Oh, okay. So I think your singing is probably perfectly fine because you speak well. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, that's very kind. Um, but truly, I mean, that's the whole part of our ministry is to be encouraging our congregations to want to sing, to mm-hmm. fully yeah. experience mass in that respect. So yeah, if the church is not singing, then I'm not doing my job. I like that. That's a good answer. Thank you for that. <laughs> You're I'm welcome. Not, I'm not entirely certain. Many of the churches I've been in, both Catholic and otherwise, the the the, the uh, singers don't may not believe that. That uh, in some cases they're like, no, no, we got this. You guys, you guys stay quiet for a little no. bit. Yeah. <laughs> how how did you get on this path with the singing? Oh goodness. Um. So I actually went to college for vocal performance. I went to college thinking I am going to be an opera singer, and that was my goal. And probably around the end of my junior year, I realized I had no desire to be an opera singer anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so kind of really trying to figure out what God's calling was for me in my life, still wanting to do music, but not sure in what capacity that was going to be. And then um, I actually wound up finding myself in a church in Belmar where Steve Obarski was the organist at mm-hmm. the time. Oh, mm-hmm. And Steve. my husband and I were picking out our wedding music and he kind of was like, oh, you sing, great. <laughs> and <laughs> so I uh, started cantering, getting involved with the choir there and kind of the rest is history. Wow. It's, our, uh, it's always nice when our... Uh, Steve Wabarski has a good ear for these kinds of things. He he's he does a great job of roping people in whether they uh, <laughs> when they when he realizes they may have a gift for something. And uh, so I'm I'm not shocked to hear that Steve had something to do with your your presence now. Yep. The um, I'm curious though, going back a little, what what sort of drew you to opera? Uh, I, you know what? I feel like it came from nowhere. I I was, I started taking voice lessons around the seventh grade and I just had this desire to want to learn to sing in Italian. 
and I, I'm not Italian. I don't know where it came from. And my voice teacher at the time was like, oh, yeah, nope, can't help you there. So kind of finding voice teachers that could uh, wound up settling with a teacher in Philadelphia who was an opera singer. So I think there was kind of that, um, I don't know, the mystique of being on stage and the beautiful costuming and the fully sung shows, how powerful the voice can be used in opera as opposed to, I mean, musical theater is beautiful. Other singing is beautiful, but really that full body singing yeah i think really drew me into the beauty of it you know i think that's something that that because opera has a i don't know people have a preconceived notion about opera i think and oftentimes because it's sung in a different language i think in particular americans have a hard time sort of focusing in on it but if you ever get the opportunity to really uh, be at uh, go to an opera or even see an, an, an operatic performance on television it's amazing. I mean, it really is. It's, yeah. you know, I, I mean, I grew up in the days of Pavarotti and I, it was, you know, I, I have never seen singing like that before and I had never, I haven't seen it again oh. since mm-hmm. then. One of the things we're talking about Christmas and it's interesting we're talking about opera. One of the things that comes to mind is Pavarotti. My mom is a big fan of uh, opera. And one of the things I just, as a little boy, I remember we watched Pavarotti Christmas and do you know what I'm talking about? Have you seen that? No. It's Sounds beautiful. Great, though. <laughs> yeah, it, and it was just, it was, uh, it sticks in my head. It's just so beautiful. And the music and the boys' choir behind him, there is something. And have you been to any operas, Mike? Um, I have been to opera, yes. And I, yeah, it wasn't, it, it wasn't like a Pavarotti. It was, no. like a, you know, like oh. a New York opera. Uh, I went to one to Philly, one in Philly, and I remember the story. It was a weird, the Bluebeard story about this. Uh, the sailor Bluebeard? Hmm? About the sailor Bluebeard? I or? don't remember. Okay. Well, there was Blackbeard. Right. Blackbeard, and then Bluebeard was this other, uh, this woman came in, and the, it, it, one of his, uh, his girlfriend or whatever, or his, his lover, and... There were all these doors in his castle, and the whole play unfolded as she was trying to figure out what is what are behind these locked doors. Mm-hmm. So there was that suspense and that beauty. I saw it when I was in high school, I think I remember, and it just has never forgotten me. So what what kind of so Abby? What do you? Uh, I mean, but. I feel like in some way you, we talk about what opera is. It's um, is there is there a formal definition? I don't know off like, the top of my know? head, but I, I think truthfully, when we think of opera, it's something that is there's no dialogue in it. It's all I mean, all the dialogue is sung. So we have the arias, which are the big solo pieces, but then the recitatives or the parts in between that would normally be spoken in a play are all sung. So start to finish, all music, all singing the whole way through. Okay. So I that, love it. Which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I do. And being in a different language, that adds in, you know, a different layer, whereas you might not speak Italian or French or German, whatever the opera is. They have those subtitles, but I think if it's done well, uh, the acting and the singing will kind of portray to you what you need to take out of the story. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily do you need to know what they're saying. Yeah, I agree completely. Actually, it's good preparation for those of us who have to go to masses in other languages because it i was at a mass this weekend in in spanish and the entire thing was in spanish and i loved it i loved every second of it even though i had no idea what was actually being said and there were testimonials before mass started but 
uh, I could tell just by the, the the reaction of the people in the pews and the energy of the person at, at the that was at the pulpit, just how powerful it was. And it's it, it still resonated even though I had no idea what they were talking about. So if you've ever been turned off of going to opera because you didn't think you'd understand the language or you don't feel like you, you can't deal with people singing to you for two hours, <laughs> I'm telling you, it's really wonderful. Give it a shot. Yeah, yeah <laughs> very much so. And Abby, do you think with your, just talking about opera, do you see some of that in your, is, is, is there a performance aspect to you singing on Sundays? Do you feel, or? I think that's a, that's kind of a tricky question, because I think there's the idea of you need to be equally as prepared for, not as, I don't want to call it a performance, but singing in mass. You need to have known your music, really studied the scripture behind what you're singing. Um, be practiced, be in good voice, warm up your voice that day, practice good vocal technique so that what you're doing is a beautiful representation. However, performance wise, going back to what we had said earlier, I truly feel that anyone who's singing in church, our main job is to inspire others to sing with us. So you kind of have to take the me person out of it and really view yourself as being a minister. And mm. kind of allowing the Holy Spirit, allowing God to fill you and allow his words to speak his message through your mouth. Yeah. And I try and practice that with our choir all the time because there's a very fine line between being a performer and being a music minister. And it's kind of dancing that balance between being equally as prepared and presenting a beautiful uh, musical rendition, but having that idea that you are really a minister of God in this. It's not a self-fulfilling type of position yeah i feel it's funny i've been a lector at uh, parishes and even in college i was an elector and i'm not gonna say with the parish but it kind of bothers me i'm just gonna this is a quibble i have with i love the church but every time before mass to say hello i'm you know john smith yakety yak or whatever and i'll be your lector and i'm always thinking to myself no you're not the lector it's god like he's working through you and i I just haven't had the uh, courage to talk to the pastor. <laughs> you know, I mentioned that to one of the lectors, and I was like, uh, it's not you, it's God. Like, is there something, I, I don't know how your church works, is that something I'm Abby Walsh or no, the no. lector, or you're just singing? Never. We just kind of, the lectors okay. go up, and the singers go up, and... Hey, listen, she's been uh, uh, cantering at, at repeated, uh, oftentimes at bishops' masses, or you know, some of the bishops' masses, and uh, until you brought her onto the podcast, I had no idea what her name was. But I, but That's I, good. that is that that is good. I think yeah, that is that good. Is a... It's and I, I've always. It's funny to hear you say that, Pete. I've kind of always had a similar feeling about that, even to the point of, all right, this is. This, I mean, we're, I think we're going kind of going off the rails here, but the. Um, I've never been a big fan of when the lectors and the and the Eucharistic ministers walk in with the priest as part of mass. Yeah. I, I like it when it comes out of the community. I, I think I think there's a visual there that works a lot better than than if if we're we're particularly isolating people who are serving in the masses. Um, I can't I can't tell you why. I just just sort of a gut reaction on my part. So yeah, I, I very similar to you in that sense that I I think there's a beauty in the not so much the anonymity, but in the the lack of notice. So that exactly. we're we're there to to inspire everyone and be representative of the people. We're not there to to be me. I actually hate it when I get asked to speak at mass. Like if I have to, if there's an event going on or something like that, and they say, "Mike, I need you to do 
two minutes and explain what's going down. Like, I don't know. I, I don't even like that. I, I, and actually, you know what? Since we're on this topic of things we hate that people do during masses, <laughs> um, sorry, pastors and lay ministers. Um, the, I am curious about one thing. There is, and once again, I'm not going to give names. Um, every now, I've been, I do a lot of bishops' masses, right? And so we go to a lot of churches and parishes because of that. And each of the, you know, whenever he's doing a mass someplace, each choir there usually does a big, you know, they work at it. And we they, have to impress the bishop. Of course, <laughs> actually, of course. And there's one, and I won't even say the piece of music that they use, um, but there's one that repeatedly be, does a very poppy, almost concert after the liturgy of the Eucharist. So they'll do one or two songs. And it's and now I, I grant you it's an upbeat song, but it, it's a pop song. It's from a movie. That's probably more than enough. And um, it, every time I see it, I go, now see now you're just taking me out of the out of the mass. It's and I have a hard enough time being in the mass anyway. This is when I'm mass? It, it's after the it's after the liturgy of the Eucharist. So, okay. But between then and the final blessing, and they basically when usually there would be a meditation they go a completely different route and basically do a performance and every single time. And then the crowd, they always, the crowd applauds and stuff like that. And every time I see that, I go, that's not quite working for me, but yeah. am I insane or does that seem I like I would agree with you. I think it would rub me the wrong way. I would agree yeah. too. And, yeah. I, and that's not to say I don't like, I love like when choirs do concerts. I love like, a lot of choirs will do a concert before, say, the Christmas Mass. Absolutely. I, lo I love it when they do that. That's my favorite thing in the entire world. I don't like it when they do it in the middle of Mass. I, I would agree with you. Okay. I'm glad to know I'm not insane. No, not insane. <laughs> okay. And I think, um, but, but Abby, you we're talking about music here in the church, and of course, one of my favorite times of the year, Advent, getting ready for Christmas and on B101, I don't know what the station there anymore. You hear the... You mean the station the we're advertising on December 21st? Yes, that one. That is, the, we are South, advertising Yeah, that. South Jersey Catholic Schools is, is uh, will be sponsoring a day of Christmas music on December 21st. That's right. Yes. So, okay, thank you, Mike. Thanks for that plug. So all those uh, Christmas songs you hate, we're going to be sponsoring. So thanks, Pete. Real nice for that. I love I'm, Karen I'm, Carpenter I'm gonna, and I'm, Andy Williams. I'm going to specifically ask for more Andy Williams and Karen Carpenter Christmas rapping, yes. The Waitresses. Hey, Father man, Rob. those are all great songs. They dude. are. Father Rob loves that song. But, I love that song. But, Abby, you, so what is your, uh, let's talk about kind of a different kind of music that sometimes you don't hear on B101. Uh the uh, the Christmas music, Advent music during the season and the churches. Uh, how do you prepare for that? Do you have and uh, see you have some uh, some history there? I do some fun you, facts. Yeah, can you share facts. that? What, sure. Well, the first thing I mean, I think at this point of the year, your choirs and your churches are rehearsing like crazy. So every Wednesday night is our choir rehearsal, Tuesday for youth choir, and it's it's a lot of music to get through to prepare ourselves for Advent and for Christmas because we are leading people that are coming back to church for, unfortunately, Christmas Eve Mass or Christmas morning Mass, and then we don't see them again till Easter. So we want to give them the best thing we can so that they feel welcomed to come back every weekend and join us. Mm -hmm. um, so I was going through some of our Christmas music that we do, and kind of what we do routinely it's kind of in our bones christmas songs and why do we sing it where do they come from what is their origins mm -hmm. so i made some fun facts i love fun facts. all right okay. so the first one silent night which we all know and we love silent night sure. um it was made in austria on christmas eve in 1818 this is the coolest story so 
that day, they're getting ready for Christmas Eve mass, and the organ broke. Oh, no. Awful, right? So you have this whole town. The organ's no longer. So the priest decides he's going to write a poem that could be said. So he takes the poem to the organist, and the organist sits down with some guitar players they had, and they come up with the music real quick. And Silent Night was performed a few hours later at Christmas Eve mass. Wow. Pretty awesome, right? That is outstanding. So from 1818 all the way to now, this song that was hurriedly wrote because the organ broke. I love that. So cool. Where did yeah. that, and where, where was that, where did it take place? Austria. Austria. Man, those Austrians, they know what they're doing. All they right. know music. They really do. They do. Mm. It's just it's amazing how inspiration can come so quickly, you know, in yeah. that moment of, of desperation. Definitely. It's, it's very true. Yeah, I mean, some of the, let's face it, some of the greatest things in history were built out of necessity. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's outstanding. And I thought the cool thing with Silent Night is I've always loved like an acapella Silent Night, where it's just the voices. And if you really, when I was doing this research, I was like, oh my goodness, it kind of was made to be that way. Mm. So this year in Christmas, I think my choir is going to be doing an acapella. Oh, very nice. <laughs> I like that. Do you have a Christmas concert coming up? We just do a little 45 minute concert before mass starts. Mike's favorite thing that, in the world. My favorite thing in the world. Love it. Love the, <laughs> the pre-mass uh, concert. Love that. And I think we're going to do some more carols this year to inspire the congregation to sing with us and not talk super loud. Oh, also nice. Yeah. That's because that's the key. You know, it's funny to hear you say that. And I, I, I tell us to people all the time, a good, a good performance has to include things that people know and things that people don't know, things that people can sing, things that people can't sing. So, so you can, I mean, it creates like a, it becomes a sort of like a roller coaster where you, you see the reaction of the audience. I hate it when, well, I don't hate it. I mean, I love going to a performance, but if I go to see my favorite band, I'm going to sing along with my favorite band at some point, um, even though I'm terrible at remembering the words um, for everything. Me too. Yeah. Well, <laughs> The um, but that's uh, but no, that's great. I love that. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I fully support your plans. Awesome, Good job. thank you. Mm-hmm. So the other one I thought was cool. So Oh Holy Night was from France, 1847. Mm-hmm. It was started. It was commissioned to be a poem, and they asked the local wine shop owner, which to me I was like, oh my goodness, he gets to supply all the wine for mm-hmm. this little French town. What an awesome job! So they asked him <laughs> to write the poem. Um, and he, when he wrote it, he was like, this needs to be a song. So he went to his friend who was a Jewish musician and said, Hey, I have this poem about the birth of Christ. Can you write music to it? Which I thought again, how awesome is that? So they wrote this song. The church loved it. The people in the town adored it. Everyone was singing it everywhere. And then the man that wrote the poem decided he was going to join the socialist movement. So the church said, uh, yep, nope, can't sing this anymore. But the people loved it so much that it kind of spread like wildfire and... The song is here today. You know, that was the one song I was going to ask you about, and I'll tell you why. It is my number one favorite Christmas song of all time. Mine too. My, mine too. That's so funny. We're, we're on consensus. Well, the, the difference is there's only one of us that can probably actually sing it properly. <laughs> probably. You, me, no, of course. Everyone oh, no, no. can sing. Well, Remember, no, if I, you can speak, I, you can sing. I did say properly. <laughs> <laughs> there's a couple of notes in there that I just kind of glance at. <laughs> I don't really try to get up that high. But no, that's the one, and that's and that's a tricky one. I've had this debate with other people. I think we may have talked about it last year when we did we had a similar conversation on a podcast. That's one where you can actually make that too much about you. Absolutely. If if you dial it up to eleven too much, it yeah. actually draws you out of it. There are there are. I do like the Josh Groban mm-hmm. version because mm-hmm. I, I think he 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 edges that line just a bit, but it never goes above board. 
Yeah, I think I know what the, yeah, the yeah. oh, no. Nah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm not good Yeah, when it. they but take the top, the ending part all the way up there. Yeah. yeah it can yeah. be a little, sometimes it can be a little over the top, it, but yeah. it can be done very tastefully yeah. too. Yeah, 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 it can. And the ones that do it, the ones that dial it back a little bit and because and, the, the tricky part is keeping the reverence in there. And, uh, oh man, I just, I want to hear that song. Yeah. If, if Abby was prepared, I'd make her sing it right now. We can do it. No. <laughs> we don't need that kind of proof. These mics do not do justice right, to singers. Fair we've, enough, we've tried fair three enough. times now and we haven't been able to <laughs> oh, successfully God. record anybody. Uh, it's a shame. That is a shame. It is. What other fun facts do you have for us? Joy to the World, which I, our church mm-hmm. does it as our ending hymn for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So written as a poem, which I found was interesting. A lot of these songs all started out as poems and then it was like anywhere from 50 to 100 years later, they became songs, which I thought was neat. So... 1719 poem in England, 1839 in America, this man named Lowell Mason found the poem and was like, I love this. Let's write music to it. So he composes this beautiful song for it. Um, and it was it's kind of common, especially older com- composers, where if they have a composer they really idolize, they'll kind of dedicate their song or their work to them mm. and kind of taking the self out of it. So he, on his, wrote uh, for George Frederick Handel. Because Handel was, who wrote The Messiah, was kind of like mm-hmm. his be-all, end-all. Mm-hmm. Well, he never signed it. So people mistakenly thought it was Handel's song. Oh. So for a hundred years went by, people thought that Handel wrote Joy to the World. And it wasn't until some musicologists more recently were like, wait a second, this is not his style of writing. This has nothing to do with him. They unearthed who the actual composer was. Wow. Which I thought was pretty awesome. That is awesome. Talk about anonymity Uh and being kind of taking oneself out of it. Wow. Look at that. How does one be a musicologist? That's so so for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I did music theory and Mm -hmm. it took music history, but... I'm not a musicologist. Well, it's kind of so. taking that one or a million steps mm-hmm. further. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's like a, a historian cool of music. Yeah, that's a cool gig. That yeah, is a I cool want, gig. I want to do that. I'm just... Uh, I, I support you becoming a musicologist. Yeah. Go uh, for any, it. Any other fun? Oh, yeah. Other? Um, okay, so A Little Town of Bethlehem was actually composed in Philadelphia. Really? Which I thought was an awesome that tidbit. Awesome. Kind of close to home. Um, and it was, it started as a poem written by the pastor and the organist who was also a realtor, which I thought was kind of funny, <laughs> wrote the music and he, the pastor had been on a pilgrimage and to, uh, the birth of birthplace of Christ. And he was just so moved and he wanted a song for the children's Christmas pageant to reflect that. So a little wow. town of Bethlehem, Philadelphia, four kiddos. Wow. Look at that. Wow. And there's Bethlehem PA. I wonder if that had something uh, to Who knows? May? Or not at all. That could just yeah. be happenstance. But yeah, that's cool. cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing about uh, Southeast Philly. There are, I mean, you got Nazareth, you got uh, Bethlehem, you got, you got lots of uh, Israeli town names in, in Southeast Philly the uh, or Pennsylvania. The um, You know, I'm curious. Um, something that's is, uh, sort of taking ourselves out of the Christmas season for a moment. As you're talking about these songs, it occurred to me, you know, I've never understood how, uh, like, how the musicians, how the cantor, how the ministers actually decide what song to sing at which masses. I don't, I didn't just mean Advent, Christmas. I mean throughout the year. Like, are there guidelines? So I, I know there's lots of different resources out there for this online through uh, the Nas- National Pastoral Musician Musicians Association has a website that has things that you can kind of pull from we use a book called today's liturgy and it goes through each mass readings and gives you a slew full of suggestions that you could put at different places 
in the mass. Mm. So I kind of go through that, pick what we know, add some new songs that the congregation needs to learn or would be fun to learn, and uh, we plan it that way. Okay, I have two two rebuttals to that. First of all, you are going to be my mom's favorite person we've ever had on the podcast because much like myself, you use the word slew, and that is a that is a. That is a that's a ten cent old time word that I'm. I personally am happy to hear somebody else use, uh, not just Joanne Walsh. The um, the and two, um, as you're putting these things together, do you do you find that sometimes you gravitate to favorites, or do you actively try to not go to that well too often? A little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we want to put in songs that the congregation knows and loves, so that they want to sing. So each mass, I try and put on one that's kind of like a favorite. Mm-hmm. that I know people are going to be happy to see it, us doing it, and they're going to feel inspired to sing. Um, lately, I've been trying to put in some more contemporary hymns to kind of um, excite the younger population of our congregation. And then we always try and put on one really like standard organ, traditional type mm-hmm. of hymn. And then we'll pepper in some new songs here or there, do them for a few weeks, people feel comfortable with them. Mm-hmm. There's a science to it. I believe, I really do believe that. The um, I'm curious, what would you classify as contemporary hymns? Uh, I'm going to draw a blank now. Like we... Uh, <laughs> I always have a the hymn and the word, contemporary and the word hymn, I've always So been... I think it's more like contemporary music. Like if okay. you were to turn on the Christian radio station, there's a lot of songs now that are on that station that are in our Breaking Bread hymnals. Oh, yeah. So it's starting to unearth them. Oh, okay. Like uh, in a few weeks, there's one called 10,000 Reasons, which is oh, in yeah. our books now. So we're going to introduce mm. that one. I know that one. Do you, have you heard, you've heard it's it? It's beautiful. Yeah. It is beautiful. And there are something, yeah, there's a few. There's this guy, Matt Marr, mm-hmm. too. He's a Catholic singer. I've heard some of his in... Uh, certain places and is it something where uh, is, i'm assuming it varies in different churches the, the pastor do you have to go to the pastor and say hey we need to we're going to play this or is there a trust that has to develop or can be developed i think in some churches the pastor likes to be very involved in the music selection process in our church um our pastor, he's kind of, we have this mutual trust going on where he'll make suggestions like, hey, Ab, I really like this song and we'll figure out how we can work it in. But otherwise, he's very open to whatever we kind of come up with. That's a nice arrangement. It I is. Like, I like that. It is. It, it's good to, um, I was, I'm actually reading a book right now about um, empowering uh, Catholic laity. And one of the things that, that comes up in it is that, um, you know, you have people in your parishes who are experts in what they do you know, let them be experts, you know, manage people like mm-hmm. you would manage anybody, but, but give them the, the freedom to do a little bit more. They might, they might have something that really inspires the parish at large by, by being able to do that. So I'm, I'm happy you're in a situation where that, uh, that yeah. exists. We have a That's very, very healthy good. setup. That's very <laughs> nice. That's very nice. Um, the, uh, I'm, so getting back to, to Christmas music, we were talking about hymns a little bit. I know we both truly appreciate Old Holy Night, which, by the way, for years, I could never remember the name of that. So I would end up doing I'm like, I'd be sitting in my office, anywhere I was working, any of the previous jobs I had, and I 
go onto YouTube and I'd be like, I can't remember the name of that song. It's because it, it would be no, in late November. I'm like, oh yeah, I love that song. What's the name of that song? And what song do I like? <laughs> now I do a much yeah. better job remembering. I remember the, I th- always thought it was called Fall on Your Knees. Well, that's what I would do. Because that's, <laughs> yeah. that's the only lyric I could remember. And I would yeah. have to type into YouTube, Fall on Your Knees. And then it would pop up Oh Holy Night. And then I go, I would go down an Oh Holy Night uh, rabbit hole on YouTube uh, and watching every single version of it that I could find. There's actually one that I, li- I really like by some dude, some Baptist uh, um, preacher down in Tennessee. Does a really good one um, with his, you know, Baptist choir, and it sounds great. And I never remember who it is, but it, but it always shows up in my YouTube uh, rabbit hole. Like hmm. no matter how many times I go back, up oh, there he is, I got him. But I only see it like during December, and then it goes out my head. But YouTube's notorious for that. Yes, it's <laughs> outstanding. So I'm curious. Aside from Oh Holy Night, do you have some favorites? Well, Oh Holy Night, Silent Night for church music, mm-hmm. and then. Um, non-church music uh the christmas song the chestnuts roasting oh, on the, yeah, i know we can't sing nice. chestnuts roasting on the open <laughs> fire that is like hands down my favorite and i don't know what it is about it i think sure. a bing crosby version of it just warms my heart yeah <laughs> some of them and well that's the thing with it um our brains and music much like our brains and our sense of smell your brains and your, and your music i mean they're just you'll hear a couple of bars or something and you're immediately transported back to where whenever that song really touched you mm. um and uh yeah i, I know I, I completely understand what you're saying and actually that's one of my favorites too and actually for me having grown up like basically watching um white christmas on repeat uh, in my household uh it's a whole lot of white christmas and all the songs that are associated with it. i really loved 50s and 60s musicals it's beautiful. Up. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, I love those. And I guess when the snow falls, you start singing "Snow" because I don't yes. know about you, but that happens snow, every time. Snow, <laughs> snow. Those are the only words I'll sing to it. <laughs> don't beautiful come after singing. me. Yeah, thank you. The uh, no, no, I love that song. Yeah, yeah. Oh god, now you're making me want to go see the movie. I was actually last night. I was on Netflix and I was flipping around, going, "What am I like?" Putting together sort of a list in my head of all the movies I got to watch before Christmas Day. So I'm starting with Love Actually. Started that one last night. And then, and then usually Christmas Day is when I watch um, White Christmas. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. We've watched it a few times already. Oh, yeah. Speaking of Netflix, mm. cool, cool movie on there. I just I have a one-year-old who mm-hmm. loves anything with music, bright colors, cartoons. We've been stuck on Moana for the past year, so I'm happy to be breaking free. Um, not that Moana's not awesome, mm-hmm. but there's a movie on Netflix right now called The Star, which it's a cartoon, and it's kind of like the nativity Played out by the viewpoint of the animals. Oh, I, I think I heard about it. You know what? It is awesome. The music is great. I didn't know that was on Netflix. It's on Netflix. That came out last year. Pete and I were both invited to pr- the premieres. Okay. Yeah. But the premieres were all down in the south. Once oh. again, Nashville, that, that that area. So neither one of us could go. But I didn't know it made it to Netflix. It's on oh, Netflix. I will have to check you that have to check out. Check it out. It, but it's good? It's really good. I will absolutely check that out. That's awesome. Because that's the other thing is, in addition to the music of the season and the movies of the season, there's also the television shows of the mm-hmm. season and things like that. Like, I just give up watching. Unless it's an Eagles game, I'm just not going to watch anything other than Christmas stuff for the next As 30 it should days. be. Yes, exactly. It's appropriate time to watch it. And there's so much content out there that you can actually, if you have a Netflix account, there's so much content. You're not beholden to whenever ABC or Freeform or, or whatever. Or you can just record them. That's what I, you do. We have yeah. a... I was going to say Slewful again. <laughs> we well, have a Slewful of recorded. I have, I have multiple Christmas shows on my DVR that have been recorded for at least five years. 
Awesome. That, that wow. I never del- They are in the do not delete. As a matter of fact, if I ever get rid of that DVR, I'm going to get really annoyed. And I think it's kind of on its last leg, so I'm mm-hmm. very oh, no. worried that I'm going to lose my Christmas shows. Well, one of the things I, I, a few years ago, I stumbled on a, um, speaking of uh, old-time singers, I stumbled on a Christmas special with Bing Crosby and Frank Sinatra. And yes. it was one of those casual ones where Bing Crosby's decorating the tree and then the doorbell rings and Frank comes in and they all start, they both start singing. Yeah. Are you familiar with that? I know that? that one. And their eyes are like so blue in it. I don't know what they did color wise. Yeah. yeah. It's, but I, I don't, I love like have yourself a merry little Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Frank Sinatra version. I, well, I grew up with the Bob Hope uh, holiday specials and I loved them. They were always like Christmas, New Year's at that time period and I absolutely loved them and they kind of fell out of favor over the last couple of years but this year they actually made a new one. They did um, John Legend and Chrissy Teigen. I saw that, yeah. And I I wanted to make fun of it and then I realized... (laughs) This is exactly what we saw in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. I'm like, I am happy it's yeah. back. Mm-hmm. That is, and plus, John Legend's a great singer, and I, I can listen to him all day long. And Chrissy Teigen is funny, and I can listen to her make me laugh all day long. So I'm mm-hmm. perfectly fine with that. So I was happy to see the the variety hour, Christmas variety hour, made a made a comeback. Definitely. Yeah, it was nice. You don't, fun. you never, you didn't grow up that with that stuff, other than running across things by accident, Pete. Well, when I okay, growing up, I do remember Christmas movies. One of my first memories ever was this movie, The Santa Claus, with Dudley Moore, I think John Lithgow. Mm-hmm. And it was, you remember that with Crazy oh, sure. Toys? Mm-hmm. And I remember the reindeer in there because I had a little reindeer ornament from that. So there was that. And then I remember the Muppets Christmas special <laughs> at Fozzie's grandmother's house. Anybody familiar? Mm-mm. Okay, Fozzie Bear, they were celebrating Christmas at his grandmother's. And Jim Henson was in it at the very end, made a cameo. Oh, really? Cool. You know, not just the voice, but actual mm-hmm. Jim Henson. And uh, I don't know. My childhood was a lot of the Muppets. So okay. Muppets <laughs> and John me. Denver, too. That, I still oh, listen sure. to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, those kind of Christmas specials, I, definitely um, f- first time ever I watched uh, The Year Without a Santa Claus. When? But, but, but Last week? Yeah. You never saw The Year Without no, a Santa well, Claus? Well, I know the Heat Miser. Heat Miser, yeah. Cold Miser? Yeah, that's I knew that music, but I didn't know the other songs. <gasps> and so I watched... I. I've only caught it piecemeal, but I watched it from start to finish. Oh, Pete. I love those the claymation ones. That's oh, so yeah. cool! I think the time that went in to mm-hmm. create them. Yeah, no, yeah. all of those. Oh shoot, what was the, the? It was a producing team uh, that is very well known, and their name is escaping right right now. But they did all the Christmas shows. So most of them were claymation. A couple of them were animated. Oh, Rankin Bass. Rankin Bass. Thank you. Thank ba- you. Bass. Ba- Bass. Yeah. yeah, they were. I love the Rankin Basses, although. I think we've talked about this. I've decided that I can't go back and watch uh, Rudolph anymore because Santa is not a nice guy. (laughs) (laughs) I had to bleep myself last year and how I referenced to Santa when I when I said I've cut him out, but um, but all the other all the other Rankin basses are are still in there. Yeah. Rudolph is my dad's favorite. He has all the little like figurines. Yeah. Oh, it's great. It's great, but they're so mean to him. They are. I was like, and Santa is such a less than charitable person uh, mm-hmm. that, and i realize he's not in a good mood at the beginning of it he's, he got sick and you know he was he, he probably was he's probably feeling his oats a little bit but still i think as an adult when you look back on those movies though like uh my husband and i just watched home alone mm-hmm. and it's oh, christmas yeah. it came up as the christmas one and to see how mean the family is to the little boy like yeah. they're so mean mm-hmm. it's heartbreaking yeah. as a little kid i guess you don't pick up on that mm-hmm. but as an adult whew. yeah that was rough this no and that one had holy night 
I, I think that was my first instances in that movie when he's in the church. They play with uh, with old man Marley. Yeah, because his granddaughter's in the choir, right? I think so. Yeah, and they're playing "Oh Holy Night," and it's beautiful. And I think I think John Williams did some Christmas other original Christmas music for that. I don't know what though. It's just pretty. And do you have any um, like any? Uh, what do you think about the music today? Like some some are there any versions? Like I hear Blake Shelton's version of. Any contemporary artists? There was actually, it's funny you say that. So last night I was on Facebook just going through things and uh, Brett Eldridge, who's a country singer, I love country music, but he posted this newly released music video and it is him singing the first Noel in a Catholic church with just candlelights, no instrumentalists. Wow, really? And there's just people that are coming in and lighting candles as he's standing there singing and it was just really just a beautiful stripped down version of it, which I I love. I wow. think when it comes to music, my taste is kind of like, don't give me all the frilly, flourishy yeah. things. Just keep it simple. Let us hear your voice. Mm-hmm. So I, I was really moved by that. If you I, haven't checked it out, check it out. I will check that out. That that <laughs> sounds Brett great. Eldridge. Yeah. The uh, that yeah, Brett Eldridge. We'll, we'll I'll definitely check that out. The I have a bunch of country music fans that uh, rotate around me, and I will have to uh, <laughs> I pick do their like, brains a little bit for that. I do like country. I, li- I like country too, um, but. Yeah, I like country too. I, you know what? The, I hear I I've started cheating with my musical tastes because I listen to so many podcasts. The only time I listen to music is when it's part of the Grammy Awards, <laughs> part of the CMAs, <laughs> the American Music Awards, all that. So I do hear every all the pop music, but that's the only time I I hear it. But you know, unless something comes across my path. But yeah, no, yeah. But that's the thing. Your original question of like. Have you heard any new, like, n- like newly created, not recreations, not because I because that is the thing that I Legend had a couple of them in his show, and the thing is, is when it's something new and you haven't heard it a couple times, you're like, yeah, it's all right. I think that's where I'm at with it. I'd rather go back to the old yeah. standard songs. Nothing has sparked my interest enough past I, that. I'm I'm very curious to see what my son will listen to in his 40s. Yeah, you know? that's a good point. It, yeah, it's like so. What'll what'll be the It'll be the songs from his remembrance. I mean, since most of mine go back to the 50s, 60s, and 70s, even though I wasn't alive till 72, but I'm I'm fixated on all those songs. But I, 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 I am one of those people who does like it when singers, um, you know, reboot songs. Mm-hmm. And, and I very much like it when they're stripped down. Um, you know, I'm, uh, you know, there's lots of people who complain about lots of modern singers, but the singers who really do have great pipes, like, I mean, say what you want about Lady Gaga, the woman could sing. Yeah. And uh, I love it when it's just her. And I love it when it's not auto and not just her, but other artists, when they're not auto-tuned. Well, that, it proves to us that there's still talent. Yeah, exactly. And it's not yeah. just the theatrics. No. And even better is when people get their hands on, like, original recordings, bef- you know, the, like, uh, I forget what they're called, but... Um, Oh, uh, studio sessions, mm. and you actually hear, and you can just pull out the, the single vocals. Somebody did that with with an Adele song, and I could not believe how great her voice sounded, stripped away well, of everything else. I was like, yeah. "Geez, she's a she's literally God's gift to singing." <laughs> there is some talent out there yeah, for sure. It's it amazing. I heard that with Wendy Houston on YouTube. Yeah, stripped down her, and it's like, wow, that this, you know. So much talent, and, and then you hear other singers. They do that mm-hmm. too, and it's like seriously auto tuned. Exactly, <laughs> like, that's not naming names, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, those guys are those are amazing. Abby, how uh, I've heard about so many singers, uh, pop singers. 
losing their voices, having vocal cord surgery. Uh, you know, their their vocal cords, it's, it's a muscle that they use. Yeah. How do you protect your voice? What steps do you take? Ooh, all right. So I tell my students all the time, our vocal cords are actually the size of a dime. Mm. They're really small. And it's kind of the skin that's on the back of your hand. So if we think about it, they're very delicate in they're a sense. Down near the they're down throat. here. So if you were to swallow and feel where your Adam's apple is, they're directly behind that. And uh, they, we use them to breathe, we use them to speak, we use them to sing. So it's really taking care of your voice using, if you're singing, using proper technique so that you're using kind of your whole body, not just those teeny tiny little muscles. But then, you know, as singers, we bring our instruments with us everywhere. It's not like a violinist that can put it in a case. So it's being mindful of those late nights, um, screaming at a concert, uh, using our voice at a sports game. All of that puts wear and tear on it. So these singers that are on tour and they're singing back to back every single night, if their technique isn't totally there, just that complete complete repetition is going to put some wear and tear on their teeny tiny little vocal cords. And I've heard people drink some weird stuff too sometimes. Yeah, you know, all singers, we all have our little uh, tricks. So in college, my teacher swore by hot water with lemon and honey and it was like the magic elixir. So that kind of stuck with me. Uh, there's people that do tea. There's people that, you know, don't drink milk or dairy products. Every singer has, I have one student who swears by celery, that celery is like, she eats celery before she sings and the phlegm goes away. So I don't judge whatever works for you. That is commitment right there. All <laughs> yep. Right. Yep. So right. I think everyone has their own little thing. Do you have a ritual at all before you go on, um, before uh, you perform? Or? Uh, well, my hot water with lemon and honey. Um, I pray and pretty much just take myself out of it and try and not be super nervous. Yeah, it's funny. I, I was never uh, a big prayer before doing something in public. But in the last couple of years, I have really started to say a little prayer before I, I go out there. And the prayer isn't is the prayer is rarely, hey, Mike, God, don't let me screw up. It's more of a God, please work through me the way you need to work through me, and I'll do my best not to screw it up. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, but I, I really do think there's a, a benefit to that because I, I think it centers you a little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely. You know, more than I mean, in addition to hopefully getting God's grace brought to you, but but um, I, I do think there's a, an almost meditative capacity to it that really helps you. Okay, so you take a breath. You acknowledge where you are, and then you go forward with it, and you finish it up, and you hope for the best that you didn't screw up royally. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's fine. But uh, but now, as as someone who's done this, you know, as, as your vocation, that vocation, um, I'm curious, um, have you learned, like, everyone has a bad day. There's a, there's a day when I got to go out and speak, and I know I'm going to stutter, and then I end mm-hmm. up stuttering. I'm sure singers have the same thing. There's some bad days. Have you found tricks to sort of, if you know, I mean, if you know it's going to be like, you know, you're not at 100%. Do you sort of dial it back? Do you find a way to hide behind like the music a little bit if you need to? All the above. So um, I sing a lot of funerals in our parish. And there's some days you wake up and there's a frog in your throat and you have to sing an Ave Maria in Mm -hmm. the mass. So it's um, asking the organist to kind of like, can you drop it down a key or two? Uh, Just hoping and praying that everything goes smoothly or then on weekend masses you know the congregation has in our church has what you're singing for the psalm and the verse of the psalm the words mm-hmm. and so sometimes your eyes as you're singing jump down to the third verse or pick up part of the second verse and it's this panic of oh my gosh the congregation knows i just royally messed that up 
But I tell my canters all the time, just keep going. Like yeah. if you don't make the reaction that you did something wrong, people aren't going to assume that you did something wrong. Yeah. So they might talk to you afterwards and they, people love to be like, oh, you really messed up on that line. But whatever. <laughs> okay. For, for, the, for the benefit of everyone in the world, um, I promise you, public, that we know we screwed up before you know we screwed up. You don't have to come tell us. We know. Yes. We're already embarrassed. And we are super embarrassed and yeah. red-faced about it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, don't feel the need to let... But I have more people, like, they know I'm the associate publisher of the, the newspaper. They they know I write things. They, they see stuff. I mean, I, I'm much like you, I'm a content, a content provider. I'm always putting stuff out there. I know that I've made a screw-up. It's uh, And if it's online, I'll go back and fix it. And if it's in print, I'll apologize for it. But... You, we're good. You don't need to let me know. I'm fine. It keeps fine. us humble too. Yeah, well, it <laughs> sure does. It sure does. But uh, yeah, you're just you're just being mean. So uh, no, it's actually oftentimes when I get a criticism, it is helpful, and I do take it generously. But um, uh, it still hurts. The, uh, so just know, anytime you're criticizing me, it hurts everybody. <laughs> what I find interesting, Pete, on the other hand, loves it when I edit his work, so he doesn't have any problem at all. So. He loves it. No, it's, you're making me better, Mike. You're sharpening. You're uh, you're testing me by fire, making <laughs> me that gold. Um, and, and but Abby, you have an interesting faith story. You're uh, you're a convert to Catholicism. I am. Can you share a bit of that? Uh, that sure. Part of your life? So I I made my conversion or my sacraments at the Easter Vigil in 2011, and kind of put it up in God's hands, as in, okay, I'm here. You've brought me to this point. I'm trusting fully that you have an idea where my life is headed. And truthfully, a week after I made my sacraments, I had a job offer for the church that I'm currently in now. Wow. And then by the end of the summer, there was a Catholic school that asked me to teach music. So it's funny when we kind of throw it all to God and say, take control. You have it. He provides. It's really for true. Us. Yeah. That's... So, but, but yeah. So, um, Pete, we talked a little bit beforehand and you asked my background. So I, I grew up. I was baptized Methodist. We went to a Methodist church up through probably my early elementary. Then we went to a Baptist church. Then we went to a non-denominational church. Then back to a Baptist church, back to a Methodist church. I mean, we kind of ran the gamut of churches in South Jersey. And my husband jokes, we'll drive by a church and he'll go, have you been to that one? <laughs> Did you go there? <laughs> Just because it's true. And um, my parents, it was, a, it was a strong foundation of prayer in our family, of our personal relationships with Jesus. And in high school, I kind of didn't really feel like church was for me at that time. I wasn't, I guess, liking what was being talked about at our church. So I kind of not turned my back on our faith, but kind of stepped away from church. And uh, my first date with my husband, it was a blind date, Match.com kind of set up. I already was a little worried he was going to be a creeper. And he starts, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not from his pictures, but it's online dating. Sure. Um, and he... One of the first things he said was, I'm Catholic, and I go to Mass every weekend. I take my faith very seriously. The nuns come over our house for Christmas and afternoon tea. And I was like, oh, man, this is a lot to take in. But um, I started going to Mass with him, and he's a police officer, so his schedule was a little wonky. So I mm -hmm. found myself on weekends that he was working, I was still going to his church and being a part of the Mass. Mm -hmm. And I just loved the, the music. Um, really the ritual of everything, how everything has such a deep meaning. I mean, people, my family, who's not Catholic, will joke that when they come to a mass, it's a workout because you st stand, you kneel. <laughs> we do all these crazy things. But to really, if you sit down and think about why we do those, there's mm -hmm. just such beauty 
in yeah. that. And um, yeah, then Steve was helping us with our wedding music and was like, oh, you sing. So I got into cantering and I remember it being just this profound moment of he was preparing me for my first mass that I was going to canter. And I remember standing on the altar saying, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. Like it was this moment that God just spoke to me and he was like, yeah, that opera stuff that you've been questioning. No, this is, this is where I need you. And it kind of everything, once I answered to that and everything really, truly just fell into place from there. I love conversion stories. I really do. And not that I come my mom was a convert and, uh, she uh, she converted because she was marrying my father, and but she similarly, her father um, would change churches like the rest of us change hairstyles. He's he, I mean, she was Methodist, she was Baptist, she was non-denominational, and then went back to Methodist again. But it was always different churches, mm-hmm. and uh, he. Uh, so I, it's funny. I I will say that I. <laughs> I have a particular affinity for people who left the Methodist faith to come to the Catholic faith because my mom did the same thing. But um, no, it's, it's also, it sounds so beautiful. It's like, you're just sort of like, we're teed up. Yeah. And you, you, I'm assuming Walsh is your married name? Walsh is my married name. And yes. you married a Walsh. So, I mean, can't get much better than that, that's, right? <laughs> that's the best. No yeah. relation to me, but that's the best. Who doesn't love a good Walsh in their life? That's what I say. Amen. Right, Pete? I'm blessed. I'm blessed to have two Walshes in there. Yes. This, this is the most Walshes we've ever had on a, on a podcast episode, too. Yeah, two thirds of it is Walsh. That's right. It's true. It sounds like a. Put my mom on here and get rid of you. It'd be a three Walsh uh, thing. That'd be, That'd be great. a slew full of Walshes. That'd be a slew. Oh, <laughs> a slew of Walshes. <laughs> If we were the type of people that hashtag things, I would hashtag this episode a slew of Walsh's. That's outstanding. I may still do it anyway. <laughs> That's pretty good. I got to make my mom read, listen to this one. She'd, she's, she says she's uh, um, she's been so busy she hasn't been able to listen to a, a – she's backlogged our uh, episodes. I'll have to make sure she puts this one at the top <laughs> since there's a slew of slew in it. True, true. <laughs> However, we are we are uh, getting uh, tied up here at the end, uh, so we're just past an hour. So uh, any final thoughts as we uh, think about the Advent and Christmas season, Pete? Well, uh, just Abby, would, do you have, know your Christmas schedule at St. Joachim yet? Yeah, so it's a little different this year. We have a 4 o'clock Mass, which we've kind of touted as the children's Mass. But uh, both of our choirs will be at that Mass. And then there is a 5 o'clock Mass at our other site at Mary Mother of the Church in Belmar. There's a 6 o'clock Spanish liturgy at uh, St. Joachim Parish. And then our midnight Mass is at 9 (laughs) o'clock. Okay. Uh, 9 p.m.? 9 p.m. And then Christmas morning, 9 a.m. I used used to mock the midnight Mass that kept creeping earlier and earlier. Yeah. I don't mock it anymore. I think that's... Yeah. I, I miss... I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Midnight Masses. But when, they, when they're when they at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 9 o'clock, I'm okay with it. Father, you know, we used, we did do a Midnight Mass and the attendance was just so low. So we moved it to 10, super low attendance. So his thought is, let's see if 9 brings more people out yeah. this year. Yeah. I, I think there's a wisdom to that. Lots of options. <laughs> and there are plenty of parishes in the diocese that have Midnight Masses if you're truly desperate to go to a midnight mass but uh yeah. hey, listen there's something to, nice to get in a couple hours of sleep on mm-hmm. christmas oh. morning particularly if you have young ones yes and i forgot know. to mention a mass coming up it's the feast of the immaculate conception on the 8th or will you be singing any of those masses i will not but our parish does have mass on uh friday at 6 30 and then also saturday morning that's right you got to go saturday well you got to fulfill the obligation on saturday and sunday that's mm-hmm. right you would so, ask me that last week and i didn't know the answer and, yes. and so you can go friday 
or Friday Saturday. we have a vigil or Saturday morning. I think a lot of parishes are doing it that yeah, way. I think so. Yeah. And then your regular standard church schedule for the rest of the weekend. You get to pick two. That's right. Two opportunities. Oh, yeah. Two opportunities to, to mm-hmm. get to go to Mass. It's exactly. awesome. That's fantastic. Blessed occasion. That's right. <laughs> no matter what anyone else says, it is two beautiful opportunities to go to Mass. Especially yeah. celebrate our Catholic mother. friends. Yeah, yeah exactly. What's that, what's, what's that be upset about? No. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, Abby, it was delightful having you on. Thank you are you welcome back me. anytime. I look forward yeah. to taking many more photographs of you in the future as you sing for the bishop as we traipse around the diocese. And uh, I will also make sure to thank Steve Obarski for putting the bug in your ear because <laughs> you have been outstanding at every mass that I've ever been at where you're thank at. Thank you. And uh, Pete, nice job uh, bringing forward another one of our great guests. Good well, job. It's a wonderful gift for the, uh, the Catholic uh, talking Catholic community. Good job. Well, thank you both. I mean, all the best. Have a Merry Christmas. You both as well. Thank you. And Mike, take care. I'm looking forward to 100th episode next week. Yeah. And we still have to figure out one more uh, episode recording before the end of the year. That's. uh, Yeah, I was in talks with uh, somebody today about that. Trying to get that together. Sounds good. All right. So we're closing on the end of 2018 and we got big plans for 2019. So, yeah, throughout the old baby, put in the new baby, right? That Is seems that what they say? not or no, the old that's man, the old not man. wrong. That no, at man. no time. I thought we were going to make it through the entire episode without you saying something ridiculous. And somehow, <laughs> hopefully, there's no baby nope. throwing. No, no, no baby throwing. No we don't baby, baby throw. Well, the, I mean, the old man 2018, that's how the. Uh-huh. The baby New Year has become an old man. Yes, again, right? that's what I was. Uh, yes, about. yes, that <laughs> is that is something. What you said was not. <laughs> I mean, we're throwing. Yeah, we're not going to go that. All right. <laughs> Thanks everybody for listening. This has been another episode of Pete Sanchez says something ridiculous at the very end of the podcast. All right, have a good weekend, everybody.